Welcome. I'm Dr. Owen Anderson, and I'm a professor of philosophy and religious studies at Arizona State University. And one of the things I study is what has existed from eternity? What has existed without a beginning? And of course, one of the contenders for this put forward by materialist philosophers is the material universe. And every now and then I see a new article where materialists usually calling themselves scientists, not philosophers, but actually just doing materialist philosophy, put forward some, what they would think is a new theory about the origin of the universe or the, the eternality of the universe. So we're going to look at one of those new articles today. And all I ask from you is that you subscribe to my channel and leave a like. Now, this is an article from Popular Mechanics, and I'm going to pull this up to show you the, what it looks like so you can read it yourself. The universe can bend the laws of physics all by itself, scientists say. The new theory suggests that the universe perpetuates itself by constantly adapting its own physical laws over time. So, okay, interesting. Uh, what are these laws? So it seems that there's the universe and there's laws and the universe can bend these laws in order to perpetuate itself over time. Now I'm gonna switch over for us to some notes. I like to have lecture notes to study together. And this is, can universes adapt? Can universes adapt? Now, the idea of the universe having existed from eternity is different than will it exist unendingly and in what state? So as I said at the beginning of the video, one of my interests is what has existed from eternity with no beginning? Now, this article inevitably gets into the universe like that. And I see I got a, a typo up here. The universe adapts. Um, so they might say, yeah, it ends up going into where things come from and it came from other universes. So we'll get to that. But just so you know, sometimes people hear the word eternal and they mainly think about into the future. And they say, oh, Anderson doesn't think the material universe is eternal. He thinks it's going to stop existing at some point. And I haven't really addressed that in this video. I'm not addressing that. It could continue on indefinitely, but it also had a beginning. So that's where we're wondering what has existed from eternity, not just will it exist unendingly in one state, because this article might be interesting as a study of how will the universe change going forward. We might think it's static and isn't. But I'm gonna, I'm gonna try to draw out from this article things about the universe having existed from eternity. And, and what we'll find really is there's nothing new under the sun. So again, a new article will come out and it will, especially this one's in popular mechanics or, or it'll be in some other science journal and it will try to present itself as having made some new discovery by science. And as you read into it, you'll find it's just the same old materialist philosophy, perhaps dressed up a little differently. But even then, not always even then, if you've studied philosophy, you'll recognize it. Uh, it reminded me of Hume. I like David Hume quite a bit because he, he points out objections to theistic arguments, arguments for God's existence, that people still try today it's as if they haven't read Hume at all. And they don't realize how these are unsound. And, and one of the ones he especially attacks is the analogy argument, which is undergirding the design argument. God exists as a designer. And we know that because we see design in the world, just like we do in a house. And when we see a house, we know there's an architect 
so too when we see a universe, we know there's a designer. And he, he argues against that analogy to say, we don't know the universe is like a house at all. We're only aware of a tiny part of the universe. Perhaps the vast majority of it doesn't resemble a house at all. And maybe there are better analogies. For example, it's like a vegetable. It, it grows like a vegetable. It's not like a house. And if you were to say, well, we know vegetables need designers, so that's okay. No, you're, you're arguing a circle now. You know vegetables need designers because of a similar kind of argument. Maybe there's just this eternal vegetative universe that grows and even reproduces itself because vegetables aren't like minerals. Minerals grow, crystals can grow. You can do a homic science experiment about crystals growing. Uh, vegetables grow and reproduce themselves with seeds. Perhaps the universe is like that, it seeds itself. Or, or maybe it's more like an animal. And that's precisely what this article is going to say. Let me, let me read a couple portions of this article to you. So it says, uh, let us explain. As the universe sought stability over time, the simpler laws of physics it relied on in the beginning evolved to become much more sophisticated. Why are there still cats and dogs in our world, but no trilobites or dinosaurs? Cats and dogs provided or proved best adapted to their environments and successfully passed on their genes to their progeny. The same is true for the universe by analogy. Remember what David Hume was doing was saying, no, this analogy fails. Now they're relying in this article on an analogy and the same argument from Hume could be used here. We're only aware of a tiny piece of the universe. How would you know that it resembles this at all? Uh, that this analogy is successful. They're just kind of throwing it out there and seeing what'll stick. Well, that's not pursuing knowledge. That's just throwing it out there to see what'll stick. Let me read you another portion. So the difference being the universe doesn't need to compete with other universes to keep going. Although you could throw that in there. Someone will say this, the design in this universe shouldn't surprise us because there's an infinite number of multiverses. One of them is going to look like ours. So you could throw that in there, even though they're saying doesn't compete with other universes. Well, why not? Why not? Why not keep it interesting? And then uh, picture an early version of the universe where, for instance, gravitational attraction between objects was a more primitive concept. In that case, Newton's law of gravitation, which states that all particles of matter in the universe attract any other particles of matter with a force that is directly proportional to the product of their masses and inversely proportional to the square of the distance between their centers could not be true yet. So if there is an early universe where gravitational attraction was a more primitive concept, then Newton's law of gravity wouldn't yet be true. And today that law explains why the moon's surface gravity is about one sixth as powerful as the gravity on earth because the moon has far less mass. But in the simpler version of the universe, perhaps gravity was a more static concept and gravity on the moon and the earth was the same. You can't apply the same line of thinking to the other, or you can apply the same line of thinking to the other 14 laws of physics. So then there's these things, in other words, what Newton's saying is, this is what gravity is. This is what, how you measure it. And this is saying, no, there's this thing called gravity and maybe you could detach it from mass and you have it doing its own thing and it's not related to mass at all. Well, I mean, at this point, it's just speculation. I'm gonna suggest in a moment, even as speculation fails, but at this point it's like, well, why on earth should we believe that or speculate about it? Why should we spend our time on that? And then, 
At this point, the paper is, is discussing another article, mingles cosmology or the study of the universe and its origins, what's existed from eternity with biology. We ask whether there might be a mechanism woven into the fabric of the natural world by means of which the universe could learn its laws. We'll now go back to the vegetable or the animal. The universe is not just material now, it's learning things. It, it, they're attributing personal characteristics and, and it's being trained the way you would an animal. In other words, a universal law might transcend all scientific fields. That means that the laws of physics as we know them could be subject to higher order laws of the universe that control them and that we can't even comprehend. I love that line. Well, we can't even comprehend it. Well, hold on a minute. Uh, wait a minute. Then how can you posit them, right? So it's, it's, it's we're gonna mention this in a moment called appeal to the unknown. For all we know, there's a law that makes this work. There's this, this incomprehensible law that governs the way the universe works and, and makes the other laws work. So the last part, exploring links between fields is crucial because knowledge is not fundamentally compartmentalized, says Bruce Bassett, professor at the University of Cape Town's Department of Mathematics and head of the cosmology group at the African Institute of Mathematical Sciences in South Africa. We humans are simply narrow-minded. Well, that applies to the cosmologists also then, right? You first. Uh, we segment and compress knowledge into biology and physics and sociology because of our limited brains. <laughs> we have limited brains and that applies to the cosmologists also. They can't figure this stuff out either. And the cost of that segmentation and compression is that we easily miss the commonalities and hidden universality between branches of human knowledge. So the idea that these uh, select persons have figured something out that the rest of us, our brains are just too small. Now, Already there, they're letting their philosophical materialism show because they're saying we think with our brains rather than our minds. Thinking is not material. And they're saying, no, you think with your brains and your brains are so limited. You can't hope to understand what we cosmologists have understood. Well, let's see. Let's see if they've discovered something or not. Now, it's interesting that when we do get into where the universe came from, it's quite popular today to concede, yeah, the universe had a beginning. And even to say it came from nothing. And since, and here's what the cosmologists mean by that, materialist cosmologists, when they say came from nothing, mean non-being, because there's only, all being is material. The universe didn't come from material being, therefore it came from non-being. Now the theist might concede and, and agree wholeheartedly that the universe came from nothing. No, not, no material thing created the universe, uh, but it came from, it was created by God, it was caused by God. So it's not an uncaused event. Whereas the from nothing for the materialist is an uncaused event, which is which really undoes all science. As soon as you allow uncaused events, logical absurdities, you've finished with science. So recognizing that, they'll say, okay, well, by nothing, I mean quantum foam. Well, that's not nothing anymore. That's a material thing. It takes up space. It has extension in space. Or they'll say a singularity that existed. These two things existed from eternity. And then at some point, an uncaused event happened and they turned into the beginnings of the universe. Or they might say, no, it's just the, the process of previous universes, expanding, contracting, expanding, contracting forever. And ours is just one in that, that unending cycle of universes. Or perhaps they'll appeal to now more popular as a multiverse. Uh, because I think Stephen Hawking rejected this view because he said with each expansion contraction, there'd be background radiation and you'd be able to measure it. 
And the amount of background radiation, apparently, according to him, is very low, meaning this is one of, if not the first, of the universes. Maybe it'll start cycling in the future, but it hasn't been doing so from eternity. And that's actually going to be a good hint for 0.5 of how we can know the universe had a beginning. He's using the very method that, that, he, should, that he should then apply to all this thought. So now it's popular to say, well, there's a multiverse. And then make an appeal to the unknown. I mean, I wrote this down before I read you that material, knowing this is how that would happen. Uh, even if I hadn't read it ahead of time, I would already know that because that's what this is what they do. Um, currently, not just that there's previous universes, but there currently exist universes. Now that's just a misnomer. Universe means the unity of all diversity. And so you don't have multiverses the way you might have multi-galaxies. That just means the universe is bigger than we thought it was. But you'll see this in pop culture. When, when, when Doctor Strange cracks the universe and, and, and other universes connect, well, then that's just a connected part of the universe. It's just bigger than you thought it was. That's the, the universe. So it's just a, it's a misnomer. I say, well, we really can't understand the laws of government. I think Doctor Strange says that at some point. We don't understand how the multiverse works. And this author, we don't understand how these this universal laws work. Uh, well, then you can't even positively know about them or that they, are, they exist. You can't understand that. Your brain is too small. So what's going on here? We have to call this and say, no, no, we're not going to do this. We're not going to get caught up in the same old thing. The idea of the universe is an animal, is not new, and going through adaptations. But what we'll do with anything, let's say it this way, whatever is eternal does not go through a one-time event. You can use this reality for anything that they claim is eternal. For instance, the soul. If my soul is eternal, it doesn't go from knowing 10 things to 11 things. I already would have known all things. I've existed from all time. And if there's some things I don't know yet, and I've existed for all of the past, then I'll never know them. So you can apply it that way too. I have other videos on the soul's existence and if that it had a beginning. But here we're talking about matter. I'm just pointing out this is true for anything. And it's what Stephen Hawking did there. If there's something by which you measure and it's at number eight out of 100, whatever numbers don't matter, but just it's measurable and distinct numbers and gain and loss, you can grow towards 100 or recede from 100, then uh, it's not eternal. It already would have, would have exhausted that. So if it takes X trillion years, I'm just picking a big number because the number size doesn't matter at all because whatever number it is, is less than eternity. Then it already would have reached that point, call it burnout or whatever you want, run down, uh, the heat death of the universe, we already would have reached almost zero Kelvin, whatever going theory it is now. It's funny because that one, the heat death of the universe sounds a lot like the Viking story that the ice giants win and everything freezes. So it's just recycled stories and new, new up-to-date wording. Same old idea though, that the universe ends in being frozen. No heat left. And I say, wow, maybe those Vikings were onto something. Uh, well, material universe then hasn't existed from eternity. It already would have done that. And so you can say, well, maybe it did that and there was a previous universe and I already argued, pointed out how Stephen Hawking showed that can't be the case. 
okay, well, how about this? How about it's a cycle? That's sort of like this. I think we could argue against the cycle this way, but also in another way, which is if everything literally has happened and will happen, then nothing you say or do matters. And I don't need to listen to anything you say or do or any arguments that you give or any responses you give to this. You've already done it before and you'll do the exact same things again. There'd be no difference or outcome. So that changes the discussion out to an existential one. If that's true, then these things follow. Those things aren't true. Therefore, the first one's not true. And the cyclical event was popular with the Stoics and with Nietzsche. Uh, Eastern philosophy often does this, but I'm naming Westerners who might, might lean towards materialist thinking. So uh, perhaps the universe is just a cycle. All things have always happened and, and will happen again. Uh, you could also apply, though, like I said, this sort of argument to it. If there's any buildup or change, then it already would have exhausted that. So this is a principle. As we're learning to think about what is eternal, there's particular things here in this article you can take from it. Some interesting things, comparisons with Hume, the Stoics, Nietzsche, but there's also this principle which will apply in multiple videos, learning to show what has existed from eternity. Whatever is eternal is not going through one-time changes. And the material world does do that. Therefore, the material world is not eternal. And we can adapt that and apply it as new arguments about materialism come out. But again, there's really nothing new under the sun. They've all been done before. There's not because it's materialist philosophy. It's not really science. It's not really making new new discoveries empirically that lend credence to materialism. It's just materialism trying to grab at science and science sciency words or mathematics to prove itself. And that's what's always. I mean, Pythagoras was a great mathematician, and so materialism. And, and interestingly, he was a kind of a went into a kind of mathematical mysticism which some of the cosmologists do as well. Like Carl Sagan sometimes gets pretty mystical. Uh, so the universe adapting, changing the laws so it doesn't burn out and, and go out of existence. Can it change the laws to overcome a one-time unique event? No. Thanks for joining me, Dr. Anderson. And until next time. <laughs>